Okay, loved ones, we're going to start tearing through some questions here. Uh, this one's going back to, actually, I don't even know the date, but it's regarding uh, Annie, protective purchaser and Casera P, uh, where she's ind- indicating that uh, back in 2019, she effectively used a cannon uh, with respects to a writ of quo warranto. Um, then she goes on to say that, yeah, this directly ties into the Seti KV Act. Um, goes on to say... Here's the interesting part. <clears throat> okay, that the Pope claims to be the victor, the vicar of Christ. Okay, so imagine, okay, yeah, the Pope, whatever his name is at this point, on the private equitable side, these individuals are basically allowed to claim whatever they want as long as they're not harming anybody. So for this man to claim he's the, uh, the what, the the owner of all souls or um, this type of thing, which is ridiculous if you consider the <laughs> the notion of the very thing itself. However, this is what it's ultimately coming down to, is that when a man or a woman claims anything on the private side, it absolutely sticks to the public. So you got the Pope over here claiming to be the, the head honcho, and on the private side, he's not. Every other man and woman on the private side has the same ability to hold at least the same position. Or I don't want I, again. I don't want to keep calling it a title because we're not really supposed to be flattering ourselves with lofty titles and things of this nature. However, exercising our rights on the private side again, we can do and say anything we want, which literally controls the public side. So, for the Pope to suggest that he owns all the souls versus someone on the public side. That statement would actually be correct. This is how the private citizens wind up controlling everything in the background. Now, again, the owning all souls is a lofty statement. Um, and again, how does this how does this title just pass from one term of office? Right when the pope or the queen leaves office and a successor takes their place, if the pope was chosen or if he's elected by the Lord to stand as his vigil. How does that title just pass on to the next man who's been, you know, studying the same stuff and in the same realm, uh, you know what I mean? It's just, a, if you look at the, how the succession of these titles are passed, it's ridiculous. But what it is, is that it's possible for you and I to be doing the same thing. Again, the Pope claiming to be the Vicar of Christ is no different than me claiming to be the Servant King of the North. We can all have whatever these you know, fancy titles on the private side to describe what it is we're doing. Um, that opens the door for everybody. This should be empowering. Because again, we got the living versus the fictions. We got factions versus fictions. The factions always win. The fictions are, 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 are they're a shadow of the real thing. How much power do they actually possess? The shadows I'm talking about. Here's the answer. Literally none. The shadows only possess the power when we grant the power to the shadow. And now the shadow takes our power and runs away with it. So, continuing. um, Yeah, again, that's exactly why you can't go just on Google and research um, these papal bulls uh, and and these, these agreements and these proclamations and these claims, things of this nature, because they're private. 
That's why you can't go research. That's why you can't find these things. Okay, moving on. And shortly down the scroll here, uh, brother Fred Harrison is regarding and talking about uh, orders in the nature of a mandamus or injunction or a receiver appointed by interlocutory order. Every courthouse out there will have some type of rule like this or check legislation again if it happened to be in the uh, well, where I am here in British Columbia, the uh, the Law and Equity Act. Um, try to find legislation that's remotely similar to that. And again, if your neck of the woods does not have a Law and Equity Act, don't worry. We can still nail down a lot of this substance in, as I've suggested, either the Trustee Act, the uh, Securities Transfer Act, the Real Property Act, things of this nature. Now, I know that's a fair bit of reading, but you know what? When we got the volume of people here that are... Uh, willing and able to help it doesn't take long to just skim through some uh, some quick legislation and you know, a lot of times look at the table of contents they'll actually have subcategories right or subsections and most of the time the titles of these subsections is going to tell you exactly what that paragraph is talking about or that statement is referring to so literally all you got to do is scroll through the uh, the table of contents and look for anything to do with an injunction mandamus or an interlocutory order as soon as you find that ding 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 we're going to wrap that up with a couple others if need be but technically that is one of the top three things that we need to be uh looking into um so he was suggesting here that uh an order in the nature of a mandamus injunction. Da, 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 da. Notice how I said the an order in the nature. Nature, <laughs> natural, living. Character, fiction, role player, character, actor. So if that statement had read an order in the character of a mandamus or injunction, that would have been a legal statement. But because this is actually phrased an order in the nature of a mandamus that tells you right there that one little word nature tells you that this is the private equity side so we can't be acquiring we can't get our hands on an injunction the appointment of a receiver or any of that stuff when we're acting in person new the legal system will not allow it that does not recognize it therefore there's no remedy for it that's when they bounce you out of court your your pleadings are unintelligible. There's none of this makes sense. Thirty days contempt of court for you. Like, however they're gonna spin it. The point being is, yeah, they don't hear that stuff at all. And continuing, Fred was going on there to suggest uh, about the master of roles, leading into the exchequer and the chancery divisions of the courts. Yeah, uh, again, because we're gonna be sending uh, correspondences to the clerk and master someone just experiment with it and fire off to the clerk and master of roles. Again, the more we can nail down the exact position of these individuals in their respective offices and the more substance that we can plainly put into their possession with our intent is going to greatly increase our chances here again, because we're just trying to remove the ambiguity. We're trying to remove the confusion. We're trying to remove the cloudiness, the fogginess. Um, again, that judge here that had suggested Fancy language is not required, but clarity is. And as a matter of fact, I did up a quick page, page and a half here uh, one of the other days when I was just sitting in the background listening to a Queen School or a, a Kindergarten program. 
and it, it's, it's a much more natural flow with very little legalese in it. Towards the end, I just I, I start to scrunch a little bit of legal terminology into it. But the first two thirds of this document, um, you're going to get the feel for, again, the natural state of affairs, not all this legal fictiony stuff. Continuing, Fred's post was just continuing there, suggesting that uh, it is declared that the court has the like jurisdiction and powers that by the laws of England were on July 15th, a long time ago, possessed and exercised by the court of chancery in England in respect of letter A, fraud, mistake, and accident. B, all matters relating to trusts. Now, I'm not even going to get into C, but you can see how in, in, in A, Your Honor, I know there's been a fraud. I know I committed a mistake. And I know that this resulting accident needs to be fixed. And pursuant to subclause B here, my matters, those matters, all matters, notice matters <laughs> relating to trusts. That's again, that's the one two punch. Hey, Your Honor, there's a mistake of a, fra a fraud, an accident. I've expressed a trust to fix it. <laughs> that is showing up going knock knock with a keg of powder. And whether they answer the door or not, boom, the door's coming right off the hinges here as soon as that fuse is lit. <laughs> and literally, we light that fuse the moment that we put all this stuff together and we deliver it. And Fred goes on to suggest, uh, when we went to the courthouse, did we make an appointment? Yeah, I'm always going to recommend making appointments for everything. Uh, you're laying track down right away when you come in and suggest, hey, you know, uh, however you want to style this. And again, there's a lot of flexibility here, but I, uh, my name is Darren. I am duly authorized to bring questions or, or pleadings uh, relating to trust documents trust materials trusts generally or especially whatever and by this um duly appointment uh or i'm appointed duly to act uh da, 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 i require of the court to come in privately on such and such a day and deal with a clerk respecting my private matters where you know, this is not for public consumption. So security measures need to be in place when I arrive at such and such a time. Uh, please email me at the following to confirm uh, or to further uh, this regard. Again, be super creative with this. There's no real right or wrong way to do it. But call in, a, call in, in advance and, and tell them that, you know, there's a there's a protected purchaser en route. There's a there's a set of K trust en route. There's a a, a settlor with a trust expression en route. Uh, take your pick, blood ones. We can we can have some fun with that one. Uh, any protected purchaser here is talking about um, where she was searching for a particular state officer and she was looking to do a private appointment to vest the security interest. Uh, she did some research into the lieutenant governor there in Delaware. This is an elected position, not appointed, which is why I would suggest maybe doing a little bit of digging, see if you can find a deputy lieutenant governor, that type of position. 
there's going to be the difference in the uh, elected versus the appointing. Um, she was looking for a certificate of deposit. Yeah, you know what? As a matter of fact, you can do your own certificate. Okay, so just visualize this. You show up to court. You have the clerk accept your paperwork. She or he is going to sign your affidavits right then and there. Once they look at them, you have have your affidavits witnessed by that particular man or woman to get your stuff entered. Now that you've entered it, whip out your second affidavit. That's going to reiterate some of the first stuff, but that this affidavit is to certify the following. That on such and such a date, I did present to one clerk by the name of Sally Sue on such and such a date, uh, wherein I deposited specially or granted to the court pursuant to court rule such and such. And that this clerk did receive said uh, paperworks and materials and exhibits and things of this nature. And that this is to hereby certify that this transaction did take place. S- sign that and get the same clerk to also witness and stamp that. So you see how, again, this is very similar to us showing up to court, writing our own orders, writing our own certificates. Now, again, you're going to want to use a little bit of specific language here. Uh, what I just said just a moment ago was just off the top of my head. You might want to do a little bit more better uh, work than that. And again, we can develop this as uh, as we go here. But point being, the judges will ask you, did you bring an order to the court today for me to sign? If not, I can draft one. Again, so this is where the judges can draft it for you. But don't, don't be, uh, you know, fearful of rolling into court with your own version, your own attempt. The judiciary loves the fact that we're trying to do our own because this, again, is displaying our competency in managing our own affairs. Pretty important. And then uh, Annie got this stuff sealed. Uh, they, Although they didn't issue the certificate, uh, she had required a full accounting of the escheated estate and a trustee to be appointed, but they are just sitting at the court at this time. Yeah, again, so this is where... Depending on how Annie got these documents filed into the court, bring it into a petition. Um, Your petition with a hearing date is going to absolutely get this stuff established. Again, this is where they recognize what we're doing, but without the very specific instructions, they kind of just sit idle. They can't budge. They can't do anything until we instruct them exactly how to proceed. And again, unfortunately, that's how they always, they kill us with all this procedural shit. You know, it's all these rules and um, da-da-da-da-da that we have to follow to get that stuff done. But again, the petition is what's going to get your matter heard. Once you get your matter heard, they're confirming. They're going to grant some type of relief. They're going to provide a court order or a decree or a grant by interlocutory order or the appointment of a receiver. That's how you get the accounting. You can't get the accounting until the receiver is appointed. So again, I know we got a lot of apples in the cart, and I know we got a parking lot full of carts, and there's a little. This still feels a little bit chaotic, but you can actually start to feel the flow of this. You can actually start to feel the direction. And again, loved ones, this is just a matter of stitching the right one, two, three, four punch in the right sequence or in the right, uh, you know, order. And this is what's going to get our stuff moving for us.
Okay, and then that rolls into a question uh, respecting sending our paperwork or the appointment. Um, it seems to me necessary to appoint the office, not the person. Uh, technically, well, the office is a type of person. And again, this is where us coming duly... So imagine this, you're coming as the fiction appointing other fictions. You're coming as the man appointing other mans or women's. Again, the pretty cool thing about the duality here that we get to play with. Um, and the successors and assigns, yeah, that's... Uh, the successors is a big component here, which means that your claim or your entitlement does not cease when that particular office holder ceases to hold that office. No, we attach certain liabilities to the office and certain liabilities to the actor as well. And then that way this thing keeps uh, just perpe perpetuating all by itself. And then uh, Fred and Harrison here uh, was continuing with, uh, okay, so the appointment, getting our stuff um, acknowledged in the courts involves picking up the phone at the very least or an email. Again, it depends on how much of a rush you're in really. Uh, or, go, or even going down there as an individual, but that's going to be the hardest of the bunch. Uh, but I'm not suggesting don't try it. As a matter of fact, this is the clerks only respond to what's coming out of your mouth and what they can see. So when you when you string a few of these principles and you articulate a few of these things, these wishes and desires, these requests or requirements properly, they are trained to engage or literally put it into the the E gear for the equity gear and you know take it out of the take it out of park take it out of p for public so um yeah you know don't be afraid to pick up the phone and uh you know establish first and foremost i am a again i'm not a huge fan of the word citizen but apparently it it does get the mustard cut here i'm a private citizen i'm disposed of a 100 percent undivided legal interest I've assigned it to, you know, whoever you're assigning it to. Uh, I need to come in under um, urgent conditions through a private appointment to speak to a clerk or a master directly involving my particular subject matters, which are all in trust. I cannot be construed as acting in person. I cannot be construed as a member of the public and so on. So yeah, go ahead, just develop a, make it as short and tight as you can, write it down, have a, have an alternate. So when the clerk asks you a certain question, you don't get caught there with the, you know, the deer in the headlights, have a, have another statement or three prepped on standby. And again, I can, we can help develop all these. This is something that we're all leaning towards here. So, and I was just looking at, uh, Lone Wolf's post here about, uh, has anybody recorded, uh, any of the petition and affidavit classes? Now, this answer has got nothing to do with that question, but I want to focus on the word classes. Once we start doing all this stuff that we keep de describing and talking about here, loved ones, we actually create a class of persons. But again, just don't use the word persons. Use individuals or a, a class of uh, perfected interest holders. A class that's separate from other classes. So on your paperwork, if you want to style as the petitioner you know um if you want to drop the all caps name first or you know what even drop it second it doesn't really matter the order here 
So you got your proper styled name and then the all caps name on the certificate as it appears exactly. Most of us, I'm going to suggest 90%, they always have that surname first on the birth certificate and then you're given names after it, after it. Well, there is the odd individual out there that I have, again, I've come across and spoke to. Their birth certificates were styled in the exact series or in the exact same, you know, first given names, then second middle names, and then the surname. So it doesn't matter, but just style the one in the all caps and then style the other one properly, as in capital first letter, lowercase second and third and so on. Or if you even really want to go to all lowercase do all three if you want there. I've, I haven't done all three, but again, I've mentioned a few times now where we have, you know, confirmation of a judge's order uh, coming back back in chambers from exclusive equity jurisdiction where this judge hand wrote on the backs of, of the pages, not on the fronts, the backs, the public, uh, the public side is the front. The back side is the private side. In purple ink, in all lowercase, not a single word had an uppercase letter in it. Now, I mean, that feels kind of weird when you're writing it <laughs> and they probably you know it was, it was meant to feel like that but again back to the classes thing we are developing a class and in that class there are uh, you know 13 individuals from this country and then there's 143 individuals from that country and da, 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 classes of individuals now that class is going to be established provincially through everything we're doing and then we're going to move that on up to the federal level and eventually we're going to tackle all this stuff at the federal level as well so, and then moving on to Bren John, uh, I've got a question here. As we only get a copy of the title paper certificate, uh, getting a copy. Okay, so consider this for a moment. The statement of live birth or the particulars of live birth or the, the legal size, right, like the long form, that one, you're always only going to get a copy. The original of that is held in the vault and they do not let it out of their possession. However, the little certificates that they spit out after the fact, those ones are original issue. So again, wh which one kind of carries more weight on, on initial thought? A copy of a something or the original of a something? I'll tell you right now, the original does. You literally have to go get that copy attested to. This is where that whole duly authenticated thing was coming from. It also serves as to prove who the owner of this particular certificate or the name on it is i cannot duly authenticate something that i don't own or i'm not in the possession of or i don't have control over this type of thing only the creator of a certain something something has the capacity to actually authenticate it which is kind of weird you know if you consider okay well i got this this uh uh copy of a mona lisa painting so you give it to some expert who's going to determine whether that thing is authentic or not. Now, the person authenticating it, he's not the original creator of the painting. So how does that work? Well, for the legal reasons that we're doing, de dealing with certificates, uh, once these things are registered, they're in that system, any officer of the system can essentially go on and authenticate these things. That's why there's tons of authenticators out there in various government positions, departments, and this, that, and the others. Every province, every state, every territory will have a and a, a section of government that's dedicated to just authenticating stuff. So when we started first doing our duly authenticating of our particulars of live birth, you know, you run into some interesting comments there from the from the gals at the at the office there when they're when you're trying to explain to them what the hell it is we're doing. Sometimes they were appreciative and they were willing to help. Other times, 
uh, the exact opposite. So again, it's just, I'm always going to come in with a little bit of sugar, read the situation on the fly very carefully, very precisely, determine whether this individual is someone you can work with or if they're just going to be a hard ass right from the get-go. And then you're actually going to develop your plan. You're actually going to develop your deployment of your position or whatever it is you're trying to do accordingly. Again, deflate a lot of their power with kindness. Don't fall victim to the and, and getting all rattled up and pissed off in return because that that's exactly what they want you to do is just mishandle your affairs, mishandle your emotions, not get the job done, bounce you out of the courtroom. You're not getting into chancery. Look at you, freaking baby, jumping up and down, throwing things in the courtroom. No, it's not going to work. So just to finish that one off, really, at the end of the day, everything in the larger first issue statements or particulars of live birth, all the particulars there get transferred to this smaller certificate. The titles usually literally just pass onto this other certificate. And then they issue that certificate for you to go out and play in legal land with. They don't want you to have that verge, that, that all uh, caps version on the legal size document. So again, I've said this before, a lot of people are suggesting, you know, you have to only use this one. Well, they directly put us into the possession of this one and they will never let us have the original of the other one. So why that just feels like an uphill battle. Like we got to move a mountain there. Why bother? I'm positive. Everything transfers just to the little one. You don't have to go deeper than that. Okay. And then we got, uh, Carol, Carol here mentioning, yeah, uh, making a comment regarding that, uh, picture I posted there, the rocket taken off and the private citizens that are apparently on the rocket. <laughs> Interesting, right? Um, are they still acting in person? You know what? I'm just going to suggest, let's just kind of nut it out like this. Okay. They're private, but they still need to be able to interact with the system somehow. So I'm thinking that somewhere along the lines, they just stuck this private citizen and the citizen can interact with the system, but privately. They're not acting in person. I'm going to suggest that the citizen is just going to be a little conduit. It's just going to be a little, a tether, a cord, uh, um, you know, a utility. Because how would the public otherwise describe these people on this rocket? I guess they could say private individuals, but that would almost let the cat out of the bag a little bit too much. They almost can hide it by suggesting citizen is still attached to it. They're private. Yeah, but they're a citizen. Private citizens. You know, again, they're letting the truth out. So they're maintaining their rules of conduct. But yet they're still saying it in kind of, con of, a, of a confusing way. So that the audience or the listener, if, unless you know all the stuff that we're talking about, that statement of a, a, a private citizen is going to go right over your head. You're not going to have any idea what that even means. And just a little bit more to clarify there because uh, a loved one followed up that with, you can't be both, no, oxymoron? Uh, yeah, okay, well, let's just pretend, okay, let's say you had a, a private members club on private reserve land, privately established, privately enjoyed. Everything private. Now, could you now turn around and say you're a citizen of that entity, which is completely private? So does that make it an oxymoron now? 
I know, again, I know I'm kind of muddying the, the waters here a little bit. I'm just trying to, you know, get to the crux or get to the roots of what this truly, really is. I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent to say that citizen is a public term because it's been used publicly. As soon as we start annotating it or as soon as we start connecting it to the private side, I'm going to suggest that the word citizen might be just a little bit neutral. I'm going to suggest maybe, you know, whatever the prefix or the suffix is after the word is going to really determine its intent. So, yeah, just to surmise there, again, just they're using certain kind of uh, processes and tactics just to keep the public just a little bit confused still. And then Little Rocks goes on to suggest that uh, she was signed up for the SSN at birth. And she says, well, there you go. Definitely not aware of the paperwork at that age. No, of course not. Again, which is what opens the door for us to come in later and plead the plead a fraud or a mistake or an accident or a, you know, any of these things. But which also substantiates the position that, hey, they actually start this process right at the moment of birth. When I keep talking about, yeah, the big mistake happens when we're 16. Okay, well, yeah, that's one aspect. But that mistake is there for us to make it. That mistake is created. It's like a it's like a, a mistake in the future that's just sitting in a box on a shelf waiting for us to open it. Surprise! <laughs> that yeah, that actually happens right at the moment you're born. That's when the clock starts. That's when the value is established. That's when all these things actually kick into gear. Okay, then any protected purchaser goes on to suggest that. Um, the petition that we are talking about here that we're developing uh, was out of the civil court rules for the Supreme Court of Canada. Actually, that was out of the Supreme Court of British Columbia. The Supreme Court of Canada is going to have slightly different twists on things. Not a whole lot, but just kind of little things here and there that are kind of interesting once you see what's going on. Um, she goes on to say, uh, okay, so she found the rules uh, for the state that she's in. Uh, they took her brother's home because uh, of a tax situation. They did a motion for leave to amend and an urgent judicial notice of equitable state trust. This is in a Commonwealth of Pennsylvania court. Of course, all efforts to get any legal remedy has been a waste of time. Although we did hold them off for two years and nothing has been touched in the house to date. This lesson has all been a blessing in disguise. But nonetheless, the big hardship in the same breath. I found the corresponding equity law here. Awesome. Although a bit harder to dig up. The Law and Equity Act for Canada. Uh, again, Law and Equity Act for British Columbia. I don't think they actually have one for Canada, to be honest. Well, actually, to be even more honest, I haven't looked, so I don't know. Um, the certificates are in the possession of the district court while my brothers are returned to him by the clerk. Any... Help would be eternally appreciated. Yeah, okay, so again, when it all depends on how brothers' um, security interests were filed in the court. If you're going to come as the defendant, that's uh, that's going to be a little bit tougher to pull off, which is why I'm suggesting, hey, yeah, we got to come as the petitioner. When you bring this petition, loved ones, this is fundamentally the game changer because you come in with clean hands you come in with good conscience good reason and good faith and to deny your equitable claims would be contrary to equity contrary to justice when we start talking about things like this the judges actually are compelled they can't not help us 
They can't sit idly by and say, no, I'm, I'm not going to hear anything you have to say. Again, we only have clean hands when we dispose of that interest, when we get rid of it, when we duly appoint it to a new receiver. We duly assign it to this man in this office, his heirs, assigns and successors. Um, so yeah, get all these particulars to the court under the um, under a petition. This petition at chambers without notice literally puts you in the driver's seat where they, they can actually hear your claim very quickly. And by very quickly, be prepared for the phone to ring not shortly long after they receive it, type it quickly. So now all brother would do is send it back in again, attention clerk and master sitting in chance or sitting in equity. Uh, due to the following urgent conditions, one, two, three. And this is why a, a hearing ought to proceed immediately. For these reasons, one, two. And here's my proposed order that I'm furnishing to the court. Um, da, 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 da. You've already furnished uh, so much stuff. Again, have your, get your, might as well just get your, that affidavit notarized. Uh, get your stuff in proper corresponding sequence, I guess is the best way to say it. Get your exhibits all lined up, get it ready to go. And brother there just fires this off again to the courthouse. Same if he has any uh, corresponding court file numbers or anything of the of that nature, yeah, just include it in this round. But this is where we can literally start to also introduce this, loved ones. We're transferring a case. If you're if you're being come at in the public world for a speeding ticket, Your Honor, I desire or I require or I demand to transfer this case to a court of competent jurisdiction so that my equitables can be heard and acted on. We literally have to transfer it. Leave, Your Honor, I'm, I'm requesting leave to transfer a motion. So you're literally leaving the crappy jurisdiction and you're bringing it into the good one. Okay, and then uh, Robin gets in here too and they're talking about uh, they want a type of brief to be submitted by the person. Okay, perfect. Really good position here, loved ones. Supplying or furnishing a brief to the court or the judge is the same as a memorandum. Hey, just give it to them in bullet points. Boom, 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 boom. There, that's a brief. Keep it tight, keep it short. This is not supposed to be 10 pages long. That's why it's called a brief. Just give us a brief outline of what's going on. Well, on this search and such a day, I became entitled to a certain interest in a certain certificate. I became entitled to that or those interests because... I perfected uh, my interest under clause one, two, three, or section ABC of whatever this particular thing is over here. And now I'm duly appointing new trustees. Now I'm duly transferring. Now I'm duly delivering on these corresponding dates. And I have a, a duly affirmed affidavit to back all this up. Um, duly sealed, duly executed. And then I brought this petition to the court to have the titles uh declared and any settlements and distributions ought to be made from successive orders to come in the future which i reserve the right to have just and so on but anyway yeah just kind of let all this go in one sentence shots in a brief now if you do this right you're going to get a very favorable outcome or a very favorable response from the clerk the master the judge whoever it is you're dealing with at the moment 
And then Robin substantiates a lot of that with, yeah, never give up. I'm granting this magical judge in Michigan an invitation to the trust. Yeah, I like that word invitation. Um, I just saw not long ago in some of the diggings where you can literally say this, Your Honor, I believe or I know the crown or the state prosecutor shall be presently pleasant did i say presently shall be pleasantly surprised by my next course of action pleasantly surprised again this is where i'm thinking <laughs> when we're doing all this stuff in good faith and good conscience and good reasons there's no reason for everyone not to be happy here <laughs> we're literally getting rid of the conflict or the war when you declare peace that means the other side gets to stop fighting as well right because now what's the what are they going to do they got no one to fight with well they got to go find a whole other job all of a sudden so pleasantly surprised again i've mentioned this in the past i don't think i i've heard very few other people kind of try to embellish on this or explain it as such the word surprised look at the word sir oh that's your surname prized is something of value something that's sought after something that's transferable Uh, Something that people go searching for. They want to discover these prizes. So when you wrap up your surname in a trust as a prize and give it to someone as a gift, literally. But, okay, you know what? Let me take that back. Don't ever be gifting these things because when you make a gift, you do not expect anything in return. So thereby, by gifting all your shit to the state, you're literally suggesting, here, take it all and I don't want anything back. Wrong. We want specific performance back. We want special duties. We want obligations to be performed, etc. And then we got Lord David here of the McLucas family suggesting, yeah, we're all pretty uh, lucky to be a part of this group. Yeah, you know what? Again, loved ones, I sit back almost daily here and I, you know, we, we're pretty in tune and in touch with what's going on here and the, the responses and the level of passion and comprehension and wisdom and knowledge ye never mind the spiritual stuff that jody's dropping right the queens that are all trying to get hammered into everybody here you start putting all this stuff together and you can see the significance of it you can see how this momentum just builds you can see how much power there is here you can see why this is the only thing we were truly meant to be doing And Robin goes on to say, created as creator we are. Yeah, that's an awesome statement for sure. Okay, then we got a big kahuna there. A question for Darren. A friend of mine is having a home birth and is concerned about what to do uh, to give her baby to the best avenue forward. Uh, She is having a midwife do the delivery. The concern is the birth certificate. What direction would you offer to help this newborn and new mom and dad have the best step forward. Um, you know what? Here's what the legislation says. Every birth must be registered. So that means they're going to spit out a certificate. Okay, so I'm going to suggest right from here, don't, I think we can actually, you know, don't be afraid of making the birth certificate application, but just make that application specially. So you're putting special intent into this registration. If you declare the trusts, and if you set this all up properly right now, 
they will not be able to publicly issue that birth certificate. They'll actually only be able to privately issue it. So you're actually going to be way ahead of the gate, way ahead of the curve already. Now, let's just assume that you fill out this application properly or like specially whatnot. And then the birth certificate just shows up in the mail, all plain Jane, just as it would every other time. So how do we now actually confirm that all of our special stuff is in the background creating this certificate that you're now holding? Well, the fact that you're holding this certificate is another opportunity anyway, because of my, because of my perfected application, it is my it is my it is to my awares or it is to my belief or I know the output or the resulting certificate that was issued contains all of my equitable stuff. And to confirm that, I am now taking this certificate, perfecting it again, sending it back. This time include your own birth certificate, such as the way the royal family does it. And instruct the registrar to cancel that certificate that they sent you. That birth certificate. Cancel that public issued one. And issue a new certificate of indefeasible title. Resulting from the trust that was created through all these certificates. Or this application and all this intent. And this way. This new certificate is going to reflect anything we put in to generate it. So now what happens when they cancel that certificate? Well, they have a new certificate, the one you created, the one that looks like the royal family, the way that, you know, you styled it the same, same way. So they can cancel that publicly. I'm going to suggest, okay, just, let's just assume that they're still publicly issuing that thing. So they can cancel that one and then now they can replace it on special deposit with this new one. This new one literally takes its place and still transfers all the interests around it properly in the background. So loved ones, just to conclude here, don't be afraid about getting that birth certificate. Again, it's what we did, it's what we do with it afterward that counts. Perfect your interest in the application, then get that thing back, perfect it again, send it back in with an upgraded certificate, the one that you ought to be known by, not the state name. That is two titles, that's the equitable and the public title being present in the same person or the same individual, and that's how that legal title goes poof. That's how that legal title gets washed off. That's how that legal title gets up, gets duly appointed to be in the possession of some receiver now acting as your trustee and then yeah lord david starts to uh substantiate some of that with um the midwife now is the one responsible for getting the information to the government to start the registration process and how restrict that midwife's abilities to do such things limit her capacity to act for the child that's not in the best interests of the child anyway you just have a have a special written agreement between you and the midwife saying, no, 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 I will look after those particulars. I'm not entrusting you to do it. You're just here to catch the baby. That's it. And then Lord David goes on to also say, yeah, as I've mentioned in the past, this is why the, this is why the dad had to get back to the birth event. Uh, this was a big deal back in the days, you know, like the, the man would literally 
ride for days to get back in time for the birth of his child so that he can accept that gift from Creator and dedicate that child to the equitable side. So when that is left abandoned, the state representatives then roll in and take the property because no one else has expressed a bona fide interest in it. Okay, so now let's pretend there is no dad. Let's say dad got killed in the war or uh, dad ran off or there's... So now we just got mom and baby. Well, I'm going to suggest that mom can still get all this pulled off and perfected properly as well. Worst case scenario, she, she has to bring in a next friend, which is just a man whom she trusts to help her navigate this equitable side of things. Now again... That doctrine, loved ones, is, you know, that's 150 years old. Is it still like that today? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest it is. So we can kind of just kind of base, our, base our, our, our proceedings knowing that. And if it turns out to be not required, then the judge would let us know. The judge would say, hey, uh, Susie Q, you don't need to bring your, your interests in through uh, a man or a next friend. But again, um, let's proceed with it and then let the judge tell us we don't need it. And Lord David continues with, yeah, registration of the live birth can be done by capturing that vessel and instructions for special deposit for the benefit of the family name trust. Yeah, that's basically exactly what we're trying to pull off here. Um, have that trust established though. Uh, have terms and conditions have have appointments made, uh, things of this nature. Have all that on standby. Have it all developed. Have it all ready to go. And then Bikuna goes on to say, what about uh, when it comes to schooling and doctor visits? Um, doctor visits? That one's easy. By private appointment, private subject matters, private individuals, private trusts, private interests. Just privatize the shit out of everything. Um, schooling. Well, here's one aspect. Okay, well, here's a couple. If you're, if you can't homeschool, I would suggest finding a private school. They are structured very similar to public. So this again, you know, when you have publicly registered corporations claiming to be private, like a school, how, is it actually private? No, not really. Their curriculum might be just slightly different, but in a nutshell, they're still getting you geared up to pay taxes. That's a that's a fundamental. So, privately enroll your youngster. Make the when you make the enrollment paperwork, you can drop a whole bunch of equitable intent and a whole bunch of equitable stuff right then and there again this is why i'm saying loved ones every time we're making applications for things take your time look at the wordings of these applications insert all your equitable stuff drop your life estate number that you got from the registered mailing stickers that we used earlier anything that can identify trust res or trust property is going to be incredibly powerful later it's absolutely worth doing don't skip that um okay but darren private schools are a hundred thousand dollars a year i only make 20 bucks an hour how the hell am i going to afford that well you know what you can actually bring a petition to the court for the the care the social maintenance the economic well-being the further development of this infant 
you can literally tap into your into that infant's trust already. The court will literally cut you a check every month or probably, you know, specially deposited or electronically deposited into an account that the court sets up for you where this $10,000 a month is set aside for this youngster's schooling. We can tap into our estates right from the get-go. That's why I'm suggesting it's important that we pursue some of these avenues because they, we've been deprived of our property rights because of our lack of knowledge. That's part of the mistake or the accident that we can come forward and fix. And so, yeah, I'm going to suggest, you know what, let's, if anybody out there knows uh, somebody that's about to have a baby or they just did or they're about to do the whole registration, anything of this nature, ask that friend, family, loved one, whatever, get copies of everything they have to register the event of their baby. Even if they're in the hospital and the hospital is forcing them to fill all this shit out, otherwise you can't take the baby home, fine. Take screenshots of everything you're filling out and bring it back here so that we can all take a peek and we can all see. Because again, I'll be able to find probably 25 different ways from Sunday how to inject our equitable intent into every application we fill. Same thing with the driver's license. Same thing with uh, social insurance numbers. We're we're actually going to develop part of our course here, part of our, our, our teaching platform, where we're actually going to have working versions of just about everything you would ever want to make application for in our lifetimes. So that's coming. I know we got to just kind of get that stuff cranked out, but hold on. Okay, and to further play off that statement I just made, Big Cahoon and Robin are going back and forth here. Darren mentioned adding a statement to the footer for the affidavit. The affiant reserves the right to amend this affidavit at any time. And on the petition, the petitioner reserves the right to amend this petition at any time for any purpose without cost. So again, when you start throwing little reservations like this, when you start putting on these little clauses, you literally just made an application and you reserve the right to perfect it is really what you're trying to say there. Because, you know, I know your honor, my first attempt is probably about a six out of 10. Uh, So let me polish it up. Let me clean it up. Okay. Okay. First time I try to make it a little bit better, now we're at a 7 out of 10. And the judge might still come back and say, well, you're getting close, but you still need to do this and that. Okay, so again, this is why reserving that space, reserving that time in the future so that you can adjust this stuff, you put a protective bubble around yourself and everything you touch, you're excluding the public's greasy, greedy little hands and you are putting yourself in a position of authority, control, and power. Due to the present force and power of my equitable intent, I can declare myself to be whatever it is you're after. Okay, and then uh, Swimmy and Robin are going back and forth respecting the different colors. Yeah, as a matter of fact, loved ones, I've I've done several documents in the past where, you know, between um, red, black, blue, purple, ink to define and determine certain positions and certain levels of awareness and certain intents, things of that nature. You know, whenever you're talking about the land or property rights, you know, put that in green or put that in brown, brown for dirt. Again, you, you can be pretty creative with this stuff to the point where it almost starts to look like a rainbow. But again, we've had sources in the military uh, tell us, hey, if the military sends you a, a letter 
and your name appears to be in red or green, they suggest you you pay very close attention to what's going on. So again, even the military gets outside of just the black ink, depending on the significance of what it is that they're dealing with. So if they can do it, we can do it. Okay, yeah, and regarding the deed, yeah, I'm still working on it, but I had asked um, the Queens with Ravina's help to post uh, a copy of a deed that she was working on. Uh, I put eyeballs on it earlier, and yeah, it was pretty adequate. It was pretty substantial enough to get the job done. Again, just little tweaks, little revisions here and there, and that actually would <laughs> float the boat for now. Keep in mind here, loved ones, the judges, the masters have the power to, if they can see what it is you're trying to do, they, if they see problems, they can interject, they can get involved, they can circle things, highlight things, redact things, remove things, rip things up and write them brand new. <laughs> this is part of our perfecting process. We eventually pass all these instruments off to the parties believed capable of managing these things. And then after that, we don't give a shit what happens to these things. We are under no further duty or obligation to inquire as to the application to see if everything's going tickety-boo. We don't care about that no, no more. All we worried about is getting our asses in the sand with a Corona or whatever beer it is you fancy and starting to fix the world. We, we, we stop concerning ourselves with trustee work. And again, this is why having the personal representative appointed is so important so that you have a liaison, you have an, a government agent that's literally directly assigned just to you to manage everything for you as a co-missioner. You're the one on a mission, co-heir in Christ. They're there as your co-pilot, the co-missioner, to assist you while you fly the plane around. They're the ones in the background. They're the co-pilot is behind you. You know, he's making sure uh, that you got enough gas. He's making sure that you're flying high enough. He's making sure that your defensive capabilities are up to snuff. If someone happens to shoot a missile at you, things of this nature, loved ones. Again, personal representative is, is definitely on the, on the forefront of having things assigned or, or appointed to us for our benefit. Okay, then Jarrett A.O. goes on to say, I'd like to ask a question, and I'm sure it's been asked. I'm a little wound up today because I know January 1 is the due date. How does one go about going after the corporation that will be giving you an offer? They have already shared my medical information amongst themselves and have basically told me outright, I realize there is a jurisdictional issue by uh, using the government's own acts in equity. Are there any quick explanations someone can give me to push me in the right direction? Okay, I'm not sure what the offer is that they're going to be tendering to you, but you want to be accepting that offer as grantee. You just perfected the interest. You are the paramount title holder all of a sudden, which means you actually have all the freaking power from out of nowhere. And now you turn around as the grantor settlor through the expression of a trust. And I declare or I deem or I proclaim everything that was in your offer is sound with the addition of this one, two, three. Or, uh, you know, these, these, con these conditions also accompany this agreement which is now deemed an administrative agreement or a security agreement or a custody agreement or whatever it is that you're after you lay down a whole bunch of track now because you are the power position holder and they can't say no 
they actually have to agree because that's the cool thing here. Once we start accepting their stuff, they're locked in, they're bound by all the legislation. Then we turn around and we spin it back to them, give them the legal interest back, which means all those statutes and regulations and codes now bind them and not you or us. And then wrap that little process up with a special affidavit, get it notarized properly uh duly 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 the shit out of everything on it and you know if you need court directions or if you need some some uh, assistance of the courts the masters the judges this is what they're there for they're there to get involved to make sure that all contracting is done in good faith is all done efficiently is all done absent you know wrongdoing this is the entire thing that the courts and the judges are there for now again when we come with dirty hands and acting in person we greatly reduce our ability to effectually you know make agreements because we are actually we're all incapacitated we don't even have the standing to make a bona fide equitable agreement because (laughs) yeah we're all acting in fiction land and then uh any protected purchaser here goes on to substantiate a comment that uh, Lord David here was making about uh, no legal does not ever want to hear the word property. Yeah, no, not when it's used in the proper context. Uh, when it comes to your baby who has uh, a superior claim, when the father makes a claim to his property, no, nobody. If the father is asleep, the mother can make the same claim. Absolutely, mother and child reunion is only emotion away. Bingo. And Pam King was. Uh, making a statement here regarding yeah having the uh the, the birth event or the the day of nativity the special day of nativity that event also recorded in the family bible yeah absolutely uh the courts do recognize all that stuff okay then big kahuna and lord david are discussing is the trust property to be named in the notice of trust sent to vital statistics yeah, we can actually um, start off with specified beneficiary. The courts always want to know who's the specified beneficiary. Who's the, the, the specified beneficiary comes up a lot. Who is the specified beneficiary? That's where, you know, you can list a uh, baby, um, Mary Jane, but then do not put the surname there. Leave that surname identify the baby just as is with the christian or the or the god-given names leave that surname unattached for now because imagine that's the public interest that surname represents public interest we would literally defeat a lot of everything we're trying to do by bringing the public stuff into our trust so we leave the public stuff outside of our trust um and again if you want to describe baby as uh you know uh Little Mary Jane, six pounds, uh, eight ounces, black hair, green eyes, um, da, 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 birthmark uh, over here. You know, again, the, the biggest component that's going to substantiate your claim here is the witness's statement. Now, again, if you can have two or three witnesses um, not appearing in person, witness your special day of nativity that's going to be a pretty bulletproof um 
instrument that's going to be going in for recording. Again, recording and lodging and filing, not registration. As soon as they start to see the words trust, they know everything to do with this document or this file or this instrument or this claim or this application does not go into the typical public registration basket. This one gets special attention. And then uh, Nicholas Clarence here uh, states, yeah, demand the placenta as well. Apparently it makes for excellent fertilizer in the garden. Um, yeah, that's kind of funny considering we're trying to restore the garden. But yeah, you know what? Even if you actually don't get physical pl- uh, possession of that back, at least express an interest in it. Express it in an affidavit. Express it in a, some type of a condition or a term where, hey, doctor, hey, hospital staff, Upon the receiving of the placenta, otherwise known as the afterbirth, as it relates to my child named such and such, please note the following. And then, boom, drop something right there. Uh, Whether you're going to say, make a statement of ownership or make a statement of transfer or make some type of pleading, wrap it up with a maxim. Uh, You know, we can do things. All these things add up to disturbing that public slave process that's waiting for us around the next bend. So again, all these informations that we can drop, all these informations that we can drop into applications are definitely going to be in our best interest here moving forward. Okay, and then any protected purchaser asks, um, when I was talking about the references to the Law and Equity Act throughout that episode, um, as in the U.S. is a crown corporation, does that legislation apply here too, or do we have to replace it with similar similar acts here? I've looked it up, and the wording is similar. Definitely not as user-friendly. Um, yeah, if you're having a tough time finding the legislations that sound as magical as the ones I'm finding, don't worry, because at the end of the day, when you're coming as petitioner, I still firmly believe you can pull all of this off without legislation at all. Just stick with the maxims. And again, the maxims are applicable to everywhere on this planet. Where your your honor, where it is convenient and just to dispose of a legal interest and vest it in new trustees under equity regards done as what ought to be done. Boom. There. Again, you embellish it a little bit more than this, but again, you get the flavor of it. You don't need legislation. Just stick with the equities. And then Lord David suggests, yeah, look for the Judicature Acts. The Judicature Acts out of England, 1875 to 1873, are applicable globally. Maybe not in China. Maybe not in Korea. But everywhere else. Okay, then uh, X... And any protected purchaser are talking about uh, something we were discussing in episode 12, I think. Or Anyway, it had to do with concurrent administration of law and equity. Again, concurrent is the position. It's the state of affairs. Concurrent means it can go either way. It can go equitably or it can go publicly, depending on what we put in. We can't even really get to the concurrent side. We can't even get to that middle gear or that neutral position with strictly public pleadings, strictly public positions, strictly public persons, all this type of thing. We get ourselves into that neutral position by stepping out of our person, 
putting it in a jar and presenting it to the party that ought to be in custody of the thing. Once the judge sees that happening, boom, now he can administrate properly. So he's suggesting here in the current, in the concurrent jurisdiction, the judge can administrate law and equity together. And then Peter and Carol were talking about, okay, when are the Zooms going to pick up again? And when am I going to be back online and smashing all this stuff out? Um, yeah, we're just taking a little bit of a break. We're getting a little bit of uh, stuff in a, in, you know, lined up for everybody here, getting a little bit of legwork done. Uh, I did suggest, you know, probably sometime shortly after Christmas, uh, we can get something fired up. But you know what? I'd still like to get a, a Zoom or two in before Christmas. Um, even if it's just sitting around and us talking about stuff, answering questions, things of the like. But don't worry, loved ones. Oh, we'll, uh, we'll post ample notice if we do decide to do this. You know, a good couple of days heads up anyway, uh, so that we can kind of get this dealt with. And then again, as always, we'll, the everything gets posted and shared and archived and all that good stuff. So even if you did miss it, it's not the end of the world. Okay, and Bikuhun's got another question. Uh, my wife and I are considering renewing our vows in holy matrimony. My concern is who does the ceremony to unite the natural man and woman? And in what capacity is he doing this? We need to do this before month's end as the man we want to do this is going out to be out of the country until March. Uh, yeah, to be honest with you, my friend, any individual that you and your wife trust, anyone that knows you, um, would definitely suit the bill. Again, you, uh, you guys are technically going to script or, or write all this out to suit yourselves. Uh, with all the phraseology and all the wordings, things of this nature. So that man or woman, all they're going to do is be reciting this and calling in Holy Spirit as a witness before God. Technically, that's all you need to have done. And again, just have that man or woman affirm or impress the record that they are not also acting in person. That they are there of their own free will and they're there... Uh, they're duly appointed to represent the man and woman to unite them in this sacred event. Again, we can get pretty fanciful and creative with our, our language here. I mean, think back to Braveheart. You know, when uh, Mel Gibson and the woman character there, they go off to the bushes and they get married by some uh, community elder who who had nothing to do with the crown. Have that man or woman, though, again, like I just said, have them dispose for the record or impress on the record that they are also not acting in person it's kind of funny right so you got the man and woman acting in person and the preacher or the minister or the 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 something uh, um the the peace it's all being done in person again so i totally appreciate people wanting to get out of that scheme and i realized yeah i did mention there that one other time that i was going to get a, a, a my brother's marriage certificate and I'll just redact some names on it and I'll post it so you can see exactly the wordings on it. Uh, so you can use it as a guide or a reference. I'll, uh, I'll try to squeeze that out of him here pretty soon. Um, and again, I was one of the witnesses on it. And there was, I think there was six witnesses on that, that little event. Nothing fancy. Dates, the intent, the purpose, the parties to the agreement. Uh, da, 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 and away they go. And vital statistics or the registrar at births, marriages, and deaths, they accepted it. No problems, no questions asked. 
And then, yeah, uh, Annie Protected Purchaser goes on to suggest that uh, she got some particulars or some instruments filed at uh, one of the U.S. district courts. And now she's actually understanding and seeing how a deficiency in the language uh, can actually render our instruments kind of fatal for what it is we're trying to do. And, yeah, it's just a matter of they will hang on to your documents for a little while waiting to see if you perfect them or correct them or make them better. Uh, and if, you know, six months or a year goes by and, and, you know, they might just send you those things back in the mail because these instruments are valuable. They know that they, they can't just indefinitely be sitting on these things. They typically will send them back to you so that you can further negotiate them or you can better their performance and then mail them off again, but keep trying again. Don't be sitting static. This is the whole uh, purpose to what we're trying to do here with the wisdom and the knowledge systems that we're providing. They, as in the state or the province or the government, the crown, whatever, they will often not respond. They will often not confirm. They will often just sit tight. Because again, they're waiting for further instructions. It's nice that you go knock, knock, knock on the door, but you did not yell through the door, hey, you, on the other side of the door, I want you to reach down with your right hand, put your hand on the doorknob, turn the dot, turn the knob uh, one full turn clockwise and engage the release mechanism that opens the door. Uh, literally, we have to talk to these people like they're robots. Pretend like they actually don't know anything. They only operate on instructions, directions. That's what gets the ball rolling for us. I know that sounds a little bit silly, but... Again, I didn't make the rules, but I'm here to bend them. <laughs> and then Lone Wolf goes on to suggest, okay, so Darren, what is an enduring power of attorney and what does that look like? Um, I'm not big fans of these things. They're pretty legal. Um, can they operate to our advantage though? Uh, yeah, I suppose you could. All you're really doing is substantiating your power position, the fact that you've got paramount title or paramount ability to do something for either yourself or somebody else. But I just really don't like the word attorney for a number of reasons. So I'm still going to stay clear of that a little bit. Um, here's the other thing about powers of attorney. I had a good friend of mine had his revoked by a doctor. A doctor just literally rolled in, rolled in and took my buddy's power of attorney away. Like, like boom, like it wasn't even there. And here's why. Until we register all of our stuff at land titles or the county recorder's office, as soon as we protect our interests, then they're actually protected. Believe it or not, just because you have a power of attorney, just because your, your grandma's dying and she granted you power of attorney to manage her estate and affairs, you know what? That's not bona fide. That's not carved in stone yet. Why? Because you're supposed to take that power of appointment and you're supposed to go duly recorded at land titles. Now those interests technically transfer. Now you are in the possession of the wishes of your grandmother and now nobody else can screw with you. My friend here who had his POA revoked, he did not record or register anything. So imagine you have this power of attorney. You think you've got all this power, but it's actually a naked position it actually does very little for you go record this stuff it makes all the difference in the world as a matter of fact title to anything cannot 
effectively pass to another party until it's registered. Now again, loved ones, when I say the word registered, just go, okay, registering means public. What he really means is recording, filing, lodging. Yes. And uh, Energy in Motion comes out with, uh, hey, Darren, um, do you think the birth certificate be considered as a share certificate or not? And I did verbally answer this one back uh, when he posted this or she posted this. But to be honest with you, I'm just going to touch on this one again because this one is important. Absolutely. The birth certificate is a share certificate. You own one share in uh, this corporation known as either the province or the state or the territory in which you're privately living. And in conjunction with that, that state, province, territory also is a share of the greater country, the federal share of everything that's going on here. So this birth certificate absolutely represents your share of the economic wealth. And this is where the uh, consolidated revenue funds kick in and the assurance funds kick in. Your share certificate is a direct result of those funds. This is why you can come forward and redeem your share. Cash in your share. Wind up your share. Transfer your share. (laughs) And Energy in Motion says, uh, one more thing, um, is the endorsement of the birth certificate share security and assignment by way of a security? Yes. And must that assignment be absolute? Uh, well, we got some options here. I'm going to suggest the initial assignment absolutely is because we never want to go back. We never want to partake in that sin ever again. So that part of it's absolute, which means it cannot be undone. Once you do this, that's it. It's over. You can't go, oh, whoops, I made a mistake. I want to change my mind and go back to being a public citizen. Actually, they won't let you. And if they do, you're going to be on the receiving end of a very shitty stick. So you may, you may, you might want to just you know, hold, hold on to your, your principles, uh, that we're trying to lay down for everybody here. Um, and does that pertain to the transfer 100% security interest? Yes. The initial security assignment to the crown or to the state is an undivided whole transfer. So now that the crown or the state has the whole thing, now you can actually selectively take portions of it and assign portions of it to certain lawyers or certain people that you want to duly appoint and make them your trustee. That's a hilarious way of binding statutes and obligations and duties onto somebody. Duly appointing them. But you have to be duly present first. You have to be duly here in order to make these duly, these appointments duly. Again, this is why so much of our paperwork winds up being fatal. Because if you don't come forward in your dual capacity, the system can assume that you're only coming forward in the public one. And that's how they can deny us all of our equities. Because when I was talking about uh, permanency, um, yeah, I definitely like the way that word reads. And then uh, Lone Wolf follows that up with reception or recaption. Yeah, as a matter of fact, 
when they receive it, when they take receipt of it, that actually is a recaptioning. We captured a legal interest when we were 16 that we never should have. And now we want to recapture our equitable interest that we got rid of when we were 16. So yeah, it's interesting that there's a lot of capturing going on here. And then Scott was saying, um, back in one of the earlier videos there, when I was suggesting Levy's heir or Nadeau's heir, um, should we just always refer to ourselves as heir Scott, etc.? Yeah, as long as heir's in there somewhere. Um, if you want to use the surname heir, as in uh, Clifford's heir, uh, the thing with that, though, is it does leave it open to interpretation because... What if my brother suggested, well, yeah, but I'm a Clifford's heir as well. So who has priority here? Well, that's where, again, registering our, our events, our interests at land titles is going to determine who has priority. But as long as the word heir is, is impressed in your present state of mind, if it comes at the beginning of the name, at the end of the name, or in the middle of the name, again, I'm going to throw it out there that it doesn't really matter as long as the word heir is in there. Because, again... Only the creator can create an heir. There are no heirs in the legal system. Why? Because heirs hold property rights. Heirs have land rights. Heirs are on the equity side. So if you're not an heir, you're not going to have any of the stuff that we're talking about for a remedy. And then uh, Fred Harrison here was talking to Ravina. Uh, when referring to the Minister of Finance, you mean Canada, correct? Not the province one resides in? Well, as a matter of fact, you can start with the province first. Start with that Minister of Finance. Empower him to act on behalf of the trust, to defend the trust. Between him and the Attorney General's office, now you can actually compel those two to go up to the federal level and represent the trust to get everything wound up and perfected that way. You see how we don't even really need to do the federal level or the international level. We can actually get the trustees at the provincial level to do it all for us. Okay, there, Energy in Motion is suggesting uh, getting back to the absolute assignment of things. Yeah, pay particular attention to this spot right here where it says at the almost at the end of uh, the first paragraph there. Um, to the trustee or other person from whom the assignor would have been entitled to claim such debt or thing in action is effectual in law, subject to equities having priority over the right of the assignee to pass and transfer from the date of said such notice. <laughs> yeah, I know that's a mouthful, but, but again, you got to be able to prove you have the equities of priority. How do we prove we have equities of priority? Well, first in time, first in line. Whoever's affidavit gets notarized first with a date on it wins. Whether that thing winds up getting registered or not actually becomes irrelevant. And here's why. An unregistered equitable instrument has just as much power and standing as a registered one. Our instrument does not become fatal or void or lack power just because it's not registered. So all they're suggesting here is that there needs to be some type of declaration and an affidavit backing up that declaration stating, for the record, I was in possession of the freehold estate attached to a particular chattel's reel or 
my personal property known as and identified as or listed as the birth certificate, name, number, registration date, etc., etc. And I have priority because as the grantee on such and such and such a date, I passed my interest to the grantor, to the settlor, to go forth and settle these matters for me. It's funny because it's still you just putting on a different hat. But again, this is part of how we actually prove we have the priority because what they're suggesting here is we're not entitled to claim F all if we cannot prove we're in possession of the priority to do it. And Elasa uh, goes on to say, uh, thanking us for the videos and the information to help with the affidavit process, uh, going through all this stuff. No, yeah, no, thank you for actually having the faith and the wherewithal to hear this call and see and feel how it applies to you and recognizing why it's important and why it's important to do stuff about this sooner than later. And just for the record, it's 3.33. <laughs> but yeah, Robin, uh, to touch on your um, audio segment there about when you were at the airport. Yeah, excellent story. Um, and no, thank you. Again, just as I was suggesting a moment ago, us all coming forward and doing all this stuff, it's, it's creating the wave. It's creating this energetic tsunami. The judges are waiting for us. They know we're coming. They're, they know we're not going to give up. They know that we're going to, die trying or die doing again it's it's so meant to be this is all this prophecy stuff that were that scripture and these other holy texts are talking about this was destiny this is <laughs> there's no way we cannot be doing this so again kudos to you robin for all the uh the good works and the things you're doing in the background and and helping others and sharing the light because again without loved ones like yourself i have a tough time trying to convey this message Okay, and uh, Jarrett A.O. suggests, uh, I just got my children's registration of live birth. This is what was on my daughter's. Any idea? Um, yeah, that's just, you know, routing numbers and banking information for treasury use only type information. Um, you can go ahead and refer to that stuff. You can go ahead and capture that, declare all that to be trust res. Um and again, you'll see at the at the the top of that image where it says this statutory declaration. Do we all know what a statutory declaration is? You got to be acting in person to even make a statutory declaration. So you see how they're literally trapping mom and dad. And this is why the the condition of mom and dad follows the offspring. When mom and dad are debtors, well, guaranteed the child the children are going to be debtors as well. And this is how they this is how they reaffirm these things. This is how their record indicates these positions because again, they have so many different ways of giving us the ability to make a statement, but then we don't capture our interest in that statement and we just come along and keep acting in person. So again, this is why I loved ones that it's uh, it's such an awesome time to be here, having the influence that we do, changing the direction of things to come. Okay, then I think I'm pronouncing this right. Alasa. Um, I think she suggests uh, for maxims of equity, what jurisdiction do they apply to? Seems land, but also trust. 
I am studying the Kinder Garden episodes too. Just wanted to see if someone can simply clarify. Um, the maxims of equity apply to everything on the planet. Question is, though, are we entitled to use these maxims? Because the public at-law system, they want to ignore these things because they're so powerful. This is why it's incredibly important that we come forth with some hard evidence to show the legal system why we are entitled to use the maxims. How do we become entitled? We have to acquire certain interests and dispose of other certain interests. Again, um, I thought I was the first one to throw this one out there, uh, suggesting we by default or we automatically get our equitable rights back when we dispose ourselves of the legal ones it's like we had both the whole time but the one took precedent or the one was a squeakier wheel or the one was just the go-to why well because when we make application to participate in the legal system now our equitable rights have to take a back seat now our equitable rights have to sit down and shut up And our equities cannot be heard because we made a choice. We exercised our free will to become a public person. Once we do that, the system can now completely ignore all of our equitable pleadings. This is why it's important that we acquire those interests, dispose of them properly. And this is what entitles us now to use equities. And once you're entitled, we can use them anywhere for any purposes. Big Kahuna goes on to say, Galatians 5.1, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself become encumbered or burdened again, once more by a yoke of slavery. Again, we encumber ourselves. We literally cut our own heads off when we make application for that freaking social number when we're about 16. That's us being burdened. We volunteered to burden ourselves again. It is such a moronic, stupid-ass thing to do. Our creator's looking at us going like, oh, you know. But yeah, finishing up there on the other statement, um, apparently Romley Stewart has also suggested this, that the legal title becomes the written confirmation of equity. Yeah, when we get rid of the legal title, the equitable title just emerges or it arises almost like Atlantis coming under the ocean again. So anyway, if Romley beat me to that statement, then yep, he can have it. Big Kahuna here again. I wonder where Ephraim and uh, Manasse, Manasse, Manasse fit in. Um, yeah, that's a good question. We're talking about the 12 tribes here of Israel that get disbanded and dispersed all around the world. And we're all confused and speaking different languages. And we don't know who each other are. And da, 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 da. Herbert W. Armstrong. Now, this guy's passed away. But back in his day, this guy he, this guy knew some scripture pretty good. This guy was a like a religious advisor type of guy to like several presidents of the United States in the past. This guy is pretty well known with the, I guess it's the Philadelphia Church of something, something. And anyway, Herbert W. Armstrong goes on in one of his books talking about how Ephraim, the tribe of Ephraim, is considered Canada, Canadians. The Ephraim tribe was actually the Americans. And in his books, 
he talks about Britain and, and all this. He brings a lot of clarity to what it is we're talking about. Although he had no idea what equity really was and what we're talking about, he suggests that the Manasseh or the Manasseh tribe rises to power, great power first. And then the United States. And then Britain. So isn't it interesting that for somehow, some reason, Canada pulls this off first to the degree that I'm talking about. And as luck would have it, Dean and I and, you know, a fair number of other loved ones happen to be privately living on the dirt known as Canada. Interesting correlation, I'm thinking. And here's what uh, Armstrong also goes to suggest that because Canada rises to power first, somehow we literally kind of take over or we have an incredible influence over the United States. Like, as in we become controllers. And then through our efforts, Britain's revitalized and then thus the rest of the Commonwealth falls into place categorically. So, there, just a little bit of uh, tidbits if someone wants to do a little bit of researching on uh, Armstrong's book. I looked at this five years ago, six years ago, and I remember it had a Union Jack on the cover of the book. I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, it's a a pretty interesting take on things here. And Ryan Dell is talking to uh, I Am Steve Mack, uh, talking about uh, his case is in front of a master, uh, filed a, a civil claim against the chief of police anyway. Long story short, he goes on to say that special affidavits and execution, uh, showing showing what uh, he's done in terms of the person and the extent uh, giving bankers uh, acceptance for her benefit. Um, Not holding the legal title. Anyways, I filed a motion to move the court into private hearing as there are trust matters at play. Not fit for public consumption. Beautiful. I have another hearing on the 29th over the phone. I have a lawyer trying to attack my statement of claim. I am trying to get rid of her and move this into private hearing. Well, here's how you do that then. Duly appoint that lawyer to be the trustee of the trust you just developed. And guess what happens now? That appointment actually trumps that lawyer's bar oath. The trust comes first. The lawyer technically must protect the trust above that lawyer's legal duties to the public on Monday, Tuesday, Fridays, and Sundays. Anyway, the trust literally takes priority now, and it's up to that lawyer to defend the trust. How can the lawyer bring a claim against the trust when he or she has been duly appointed to defend it? Beautiful way to turn the tables real quick. Okay, loved ones, that's about an hour and a half of uh, questions and answers, so I'm probably just going to unplug for this segment. Uh, we'll pick it up again here in another day or two and continue. Um, and again, don't ever feel like there's repeat questions or these things have been discussed in the past. You know, that, that none of that matters. Uh, we're all here, here to help each other. And this will get to the point where after I lay down just about everything I know and record it on these things like we're doing right here, everybody else will be able to also retain that knowledge. And then they instantly become teachers when they start transferring it, when they start sharing it with others um that puts us all into an incredibly elevated state of consciousness where we are all moving on up till next time peace